0: fourth and inches a husky podcast is part of the big heads media network for more information go to bigheadsmedia.com go hey husky fans welcome back to fourth and inches a husky podcast i'm trevor
1: and i'm jake
0: and we go together like legolas and
1: Gimli is that some Lord of the Rings stuff there that I don't know about uh, <laughs> say, you say absolutely know about it <laughs> what were the names
0: Legolas and Gimli
1: Legolas okay let me see if I know who these two are uh, are they warriors
0: I mean yeah
1: I mean they're not one of the what, hobbits
0: what, they're not hobbits okay they're both different races what are they
1: uh, is one the redheaded dude, the redheaded dude, the guy with the big hammer, like the dwarf.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. Gimli's the dwarf okay. Good job.
1: Okay. Uh, and the other ones, the other guy that makes fun of him all the time for being short.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But what <laughs> okay. is he?
1: I, come on. That's about as far as my, you, you know what the, my most knowledge about Lord of the Rings is. What? Is from Clerks 2 when the guy reenacts Don't. the
0: movie? <laughs> they're not gay; they're hobbits.
1: That is the best reenactment of anything I've ever seen in my life. When he drops the only return when he, when is he, of the Jedi, when, when he drops the ring and just shrugs his shoulders like that's <laughs> it. You know what? You know what a great movie is. What Days of Thunder? Over the top kickboxer blood sport hit me with some of that i don't need your geeky lord of the rings dropping little gold rings with precious
0: your redneck is
1: showing <laughs> give me explosions and testosterone
0: <laughs> all right so washington avenged their loss against cal uh they welcomed Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors to Husky Stadium and putting a hurting on them real quick.
1: I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know we can say that they've avenged their loss to Cal until we beat Cal. I
0: Well, I agree with that, but they took out their frustrations. How about that?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah, going up 38 nothing, going into half 38-7. Uh, this game was over I mean, by the end of the first quarter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. They uh, they they put a whooping on these guys. I think they played a little bit angry um, losing a game that you shouldn't have lost. That's going to light a fire under your butt, and, and it showed. Yeah, absolutely. Jacob
0: Eason was stellar, 18-25, 262 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he couldn't have played a much better game than he showed. Uh, offensively, other than a few drives in the second half before, we, before Washington finally put the game away, was the only sputters I saw. But still, even when I think the score ended up being 38-20, uh, oh. yeah. Washington still had control of that game and put two more touchdowns up on the board before the game was over.
1: Yeah, and I think that was a little bit of um, letting off the gas pedal you know you're, you're up as much as you are teams are guilty of of letting up on the gas and kind of just putting it in the cruise control and I think it kind of bit them and then I think you know it was time to gear it back up the good thing about this team is that they can gear it back up they can they can find that rhythm and they can find that extra energy to push past you know that cruise control um I thought there was a lot of I Hawaii's defense, let's face it, is kind of atrocious. Um, hmm. Both teams that they beat in the Pac-12 already this year went into Hawaii and put up some big numbers. So it's not like anybody was afraid of their defense coming into this game. But it was good to see Eason, you know, find that find that touch, find that long ball that we had been talking about the last two weeks. You know, it it'll come, it'll come. Well, it came. And the touch came, and and he got his distance down. Um, the deep balls that he hit, he hit guys in stride. That Puka Nakua touchdown, th- th- there was nowhere where else to put that ball other than right where he put it. So this offense, man, they really got rolling, and it was good. It was good to see, you know, get them some confidence before we go into BYU and into Pac-12 play.
0: Yeah, and I thought actually the most impressive throw of the game was that. 37 yard touchdown pass to Aaron Fuller it's 37 yards from where he was to the to the uh to the goal line but Aaron Fuller was a good eight nine yards deep into the end zone and that thing was on a on a rope yeah um so that he probably threw that one uh, on a straight line drive for 45 yards in stride hit Aaron Fuller with a guy I mean, he he didn't have much separation. And he still made that throw. I thought that was his most impressive
1: throw of the game. See, I disagree. I, I personally think the Puka throw is just because of where Puka is in the end zone. He's on the corner. Um,
0: One's more of a touch pass and the other's more of a line drive. Yeah, yeah
1: it, it was weird because I watched that Aaron Fuller play like three times. And when that ball left Easton's hand, when you can watch it from the end zone, when that ball left his hand, it it looked flat. Like there was no arch on it. And it was, I was like, how did, how did that ball get up there? And it just, it stayed on a rope the whole way. It was really weird, but it was a really nice throw.
0: That's the definition of arm talent.
1: Yes. That guy has all the arm talent in the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you talked about that in the third quarter where they didn't score and they gave up two of the three touchdowns that Hawaii ended up scoring, uh, the concern that I have is in the last few years, the Washington defense specifically has come out of timeouts or come out of halftime and made some really good adjustments and really dominated the game. But in the last two weeks, especially you've seen issues coming out of that break and Cal and Hawaii, both putting up their best quarter in that third quarter now i I don't know if it's because Washington in both of those games was in the lead, and they didn't make the necessary adjustments. I don't think that they're getting out coached per se, but it's a wonder that I have, and I don't know if you have any insight to any of that
1: can Can you chalk it up to just being young? I don't know is that a viable excuse my and that's my initial thought is that. This is a young team and they're still coaching. So maybe during halftime, they're looking back on, okay, well, this is where you kind of got burned here. You need to, you know, it's learning right now, as opposed to looking forward for the rest of the next, you know, the next half.
0: And that could be, I just, it's, it's something that I'm going to rely on because I'm not a big fan of getting chunked out in the third quarter, you take away the third quarter of the cow game. You take away the third quarter, you even half the production of the cow game and even this Hawaii game. And this team is looking like a world beater. So I'm, I'm not sure I don't want to put it on youth, but I'm not sure. And and maybe this is just two games, but it's, it's something that I'm noticing and um, I'm not really sure to, yeah, but, what to make of it? And but, I'm hoping it doesn't become a trend.
1: But to be fair, Hawaii's offense previous to these two games, they'd put up 50 in both. Correct. Yep. Yep. So holding them to 20 is a major, major uh, is a major victory. The, Hawaii's going to get their points. They're so going they put to put up score.
0: 45 and 31. So we held them, they didn't, they didn't score 50 in either of those games, but they were definitely a more potent offense. Yeah. I mean, this team scored. And I understand and, 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 with the run and shoot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a rhythm thing, right? And our defense disrupted their rhythm until they found a little bit of it in the second half. It's kind of like Wazoo, you know, you take away their rhythm and their offense goes to hell. Uh, and we did that yeah. for the most part part with the Hawaii, but at some point they're going to find the rhythm. They're going to push the ball down the field. They go for it on fourth down, like every drive, you know? So they're going to score points on you eventually. And maybe it was just the fact that it was the third quarter. Maybe they could have done it in the first, maybe they did it in the third. It doesn't matter, but they're going to score points.
0: Yeah. After watching Washington stifle Hawaii's offense for most of the game, it did give me a lot of hope for looking ahead to defending against the air raid system that USC and WSU runs. Um, I think that there's some really good signs at pointing that Washington still can play, uh, put out a really good pass defense. I think that Ho- Hawaii started to make some moves when they started to run the ball more. And that's one of the noticings things I also had was once they started successfully running the ball, I saw Kyler Manu and company in the, in the linebacking core and Brandon Wellington starting to step up, which led uh, to guys in that in-between zone between the linebackers and the defensive backs, a lot of open space. And that's where I saw them being most effective. If we can, if they can get that taken care of, I think this defense is going to start getting back to where they need to be.
1: Yeah, totally. Absolutely. If, Washington has never really had a hard time defending the air raid system as long as Coach Pete and Jimmy Lake have been here. Um, They've always covered Wazoo really, really well. They showed it this week against Hawaii that it doesn't matter what team it is. When they go up against the spread, that defense can hold down the fort. And when it comes to, to Hawaii versus USC, I think Hawaii's air raid offense is a lot, more efficient than USC's because they've been that offense for a lot longer. So all these players that have been in Hawaii system already know the system and they've been in the system for four, three, two years where USC is a brand new spread offense that everybody on that team is just learning this year. So they're not quite efficient at it. And I think that's going to be problems for them when when, when they play us, really.
0: And I I wonder that too. um, Hawaii actually runs a a run and shoot thing. And Yogi Roth was the color guy for this game, correct? Yes. So he talked about how the head coach there, and I'm spacing on his name right now, he played in the arena leagues. And this is a lot closer to like an arena league offense where the guys are, are able to make snap judgments. But really what the guys are trying to do is they're trying to, to get deep on you. And the thing about Washington is they don't give up a lot of explosive plays and they don't let you get deep on them. And I think that really helped. Uh, the linebackers have to be able to not bite on those play action passes against the air raid or Washington's going to get dink and dunk down the field. And that's what I worry about.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of a, a discipline thing as far as the linebackers yeah. go. Oh Yeah. And with young, inexperienced linebackers, that's a little bit of a, of, of a question mark, really. Um, we haven't really had to face that quite yet. Um, I think the toughest challenge to that is going to be the Apple Cup. So they will have a, a, almost an entire season of football underneath their belts by the time that they yeah. get to that point. And there's going to be a lot of learning until we get to that point. And there's going to be a couple of games like, like Hawaii like USC, a little bit of Arizona that are good learning curves for that offense. Totally agree.
0: Yeah. I, overall you come away from this feeling really encouraged that the sky is not falling on this program. They did exactly what they're supposed to do to a a group of five team um, and they looked really good doing it.
1: Yeah. And, 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 Hawaii just took two wins from Pac-12 teams.
0: And, yeah, absolutely and, right. and, and
1: and albeit it, it was in Hawaii, and then Hawaii had to come here and play us. That doesn't really matter. Hawaii has beat two Pac-12 teams, and
0: and Arizona doesn't look bad either. No, I mean, we'll get into them later. They they looked all right in their game.
1: Yeah, so Hawaii's not. I mean, I I said at the start of the year, don't don't shrug your shoulders at Hawaii because they're pretty talented, especially on the offensive side. You know, th- those guys can put up numbers. So for us to do what we did against them is extremely impressive. And I think anybody that watched that game and saw the dominance that we performed during that game from whistle to whistle should be encouraged because it, it, at no point during the entire game after the very first drive that UW had, Nobody should have been nervous that entire time.
0: Yeah. And Cole McDonald played better. Uh, He struggled in the first half with a a few picks and they brought in their, their more, their running quarterback. Um, But when he came back in, in the second half, he played a lot better. He was more efficient. He stopped throwing the ball away. And even the pick that he had in the second half wasn't his fault. Yeah. So Jake uh, go ahead and uh, let's go through the offense and let's get your grades from them. So let's start with the quarterback.
1: My grade for the quarterback is going to be an A-minus, and the only reason I give an A-minus and not an A is because I saw a couple of throws from Eason fell incomplete in between defenders, Uh, a couple of deep balls that were tossed up into double coverage against a Cal or a better defense. Those could be interceptions that, you know, a couple of them were in no man's land. If those things were picked off, they're going to the house. But other than that, man, He made some awesome throws. I mean, we talked about two of them already. The the throw to Hunter Bryant on the first drive. um, In stride, great read. And that was pretty much Easton's whole game was he hit guys in stride with great reads. He he went through his progressions. He found a wide-open receiver that he didn't have to throw into coverage for the most part. Uh, He really found his rhythm. And he found his touch on the deep ball, and it was good to see that from Eason today.
0: Oh, what do you give the running backs?
1: I also give the running backs an A minus. I think uh, I don't think any in one individual player deserves an A or an A plus, and that's why I didn't give them an A, because no running back eclipsed the century mark. But as a collective unit, they almost ran for two hundred yards, and they had four touchdowns. And that is a recipe for success. If you can run for 200 yards, you don't even need four touchdowns. If you can get three touchdowns from them a game, two touchdowns from your running backs a game, especially with Eason throwing the ball the way that he is, this this offense is going to be dangerous.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing that I saw from this game from the running backs is each of them only got eight carries. Um, Savon Ahmed in those eight carries averaged almost 10.5 yards a carry. Um, Sean McGrew averaged seven and a, uh, almost eight yards a carry. Yeah, One of the most important, impressive things with Sean McGrew this year is that third running back is that for his size, that guy, and we said it last year, he falls forward a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that that's really pushed him in front of Kamari Pleasant because it just seems like Kamari goes down when he gets hit. He gets exactly the amount of yards that he's supposed to get per play. Right. Yep. But what you're looking for in a running back is somebody dynamic and Sean McGrew falls forward at five, seven, a buck. I'm, I'm sure he's a buck 75, yeah. but even getting tackled by these big guys, he's still going forward. And then Richard Newton, almost four yards a carry fine. He was also put in some goal line situations, had a really impressive reach across that made me a little bit nervous, Yeah. but he did have three touchdowns.
1: Yeah. Three touchdowns. That's, that's your bottom line right there. Putting yeah. court, putting, the name of the game is putting points on the board. And by himself, he put 21 points on Washington scoreboard. So, I'm not so concerned with the four yards, average yeah. yards per carry. Um, the three touchdowns, to me, he has just solidified himself. If I'm the coach of this team, he has solidified himself as the goal line down back. The guy... The, the guy is a red zone monster.
0: I think he's going to be, and he might already be a better version of Levon Coleman.
1: Uh, and man, and that's a freshman. Yeah. A red shirt freshman, but man, that's a freshman. He's yeah. a big physical back and he wants to run up the middle. Yeah. Which is polar opposite of Aukman. Ahmed wants to You know to what, though? Down. Ahmed he, he, ran, ran no, 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 no. through the tackles pretty I get, well. I get, today. I get that because that's what the coaches are telling him to do. If Ahmed has his way, he's breaking outside every time. He wants to be they, in space. His body wants to be in space. The way that he runs, he is so much more efficient out in space. Swing pass is out to him. Sweeps jets you know those those are kind of the augment plays the reason that he runs inside is because if he doesn't they're never going to they're only going to guard the edges when he's in you know they're only going to guard open space on the edges so he has to run the ball up the middle to keep the defense honest
0: and i think that that's his progression as becoming a feature running back is that he has to do that and i think he's he's doing it well
1: yeah, I mean you have to to be yeah to be,
0: if you want to be a feature back, right? For
1: sure, you know. Th- I mean that was kind of that was kind of um, Reggie Bush's downfall when he went to the NFL, right? Couldn't he couldn't run? He couldn't carry a team because he couldn't run up the middle against big NFL guys. He only was in college. He pretty much took everything to the house because he was so much faster than everybody. But right? He could just out athlete everybody. Yeah, everything was to the outside with him. So. But Ahmed needs to learn how to do both. And I think he's slowly becoming that guy. He never had to be the guy because we, his entire career here, we had Gaskins, who was that guy. Right. You know, but, man, uh, 200 yards and four touchdowns is impressive, you know, no matter what.
0: It's crazy to think that a couple of games ago that we were like, is Ahmed?" the future back
1: yeah is he on notice anymore Mm
0: -mm. yeah he is not no he's on watch list now he he is yeah
1: must watch
0: yeah uh what do you okay so listen to me carefully what is your grade for the receivers don't put tight ends in there
1: oh man you, ooh, you just put a big wrench in my in, in I know in my notes here, I'm in trouble. <laughs> the, the bell curve has been moved. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, so for the receivers, I'm gonna give them a C. I think Puka, seeing Puka play and seeing that long touchdown was really really cool, and I really really, cool. really I, I really was super happy that. I think it was time for him to see the field because, um, honestly, I'm not super impressed with Aaron Fuller or Andre Pacelli. Fuller's made some really, really nice catches, but, man, I think he really dropped the ball in pressure situations during Cal. And uh if that's the case, can we trust him in other pressure situations? I don't know. He dropped the ball last year during Cal's loss, too. So, um Seeing Puka out there was really cool. Um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see them burn his red shirt and get him out on the field more um, right now because I think that he is a player that has the potential to be an NFL type of player, um, and I don't think our old guys have that potential. I don't see that from Fuller or Bocelli, who I would like to see more is the Pukas and the Spikers and um, the Osbournes and the Lowe's, um, which I don't know why they haven't gotten more of a run already.
0: So Terrell Bynum has been on the field, but he's been more of a blocking receiver, and he, he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities to catch. It seems like the only ones that are getting any any meaningful minutes
1: are Chico, Bocelli, and... Fuller Garrett fuller. Yeah. Which in, and, and that surprised me is, is Puka that much farther ahead of the curve than low and Osborne and, and Spiker, you know, because those guys, those guys were four star receivers as well. And, uh, you know, I would think that they'd be seeing a little bit more time as well, especially with, I, I'm, I was not impressed by Bacelli the entire game last this last week. I don't. I don't think he brings much to the table as far as potential um, tap talent. You know, I think he's. I think he's maxed out on his talent ability. And uh, me personally, I'd like to see a little bit more of the younger guys.
0: Reports are that uh, that Spikers had a little bit of a tough time adjusting to the college level, but there's no reason why we shouldn't be seeing the Austin Osborns. Um, the Terrell Bynums and even, even Tr- the Jordan chin, who's been in the program for quite a while and has played sparingly.
1: Yeah. Trey Lo- I Trey feel Lowe.
0: Like we- Trey Lo, I don't know if he's seen the field yet. I don't either. Um, but you know, we know what we're going to get out of Bicelli. I'm going to get to him a little bit
1: later. You know, I mean, I mean, just look at the wide receivers numbers, dude. Fuller had 55 yeah. yards, five catches. Uh, Bocelli had 39 yards on four catches um, Puka had one catch for 28 yards. That was the touchdown. Chico had one catch for 12 yards. Austin Osborne actually had a catch late for one yard. For er, negative two? Negative two yards, yeah. One catch for negative two. Unimpressive, really. Yeah, I think a C is a very
0: appropriate grade.
1: Let's go to tight ends. Hey, I love our do, do we need
0: Do we need to talk about it anymore? Uh, I, I mean,
1: I, I mean... <laughs> Hunter Bryant is a matchup nightmare, bro. Please come back. uh, uh, Right, (laughs) right. I mean, it was really nice to see them go to him, you know, get Hunter Bryant involved early and often. You know, uh, he just – and it's not even just him, man. Kate Otten – Kate Otten's the reason that Hunter Bryant scored that first touchdown because he attracted – the safety to him, which left Hunter Bryant wide open to take it to the house. It was awesome to see, dude. You have to respect both tight ends. Kate Otten doesn't put up the numbers that Hunter Bryant does because he's not as elusive or quick as Hunter Bryant. Hunter, I mean,
0: because he's not a first round draft. I mean, Hunter Bryant. I he mean, looks like in in the last. I mean, of the really good tight ends that have come through in the last few years, he's. I mean, who would you take, Hunter
1: Bryant or ASJ? Oh, Hunter. Hunter Bryant, no doubt. Hunter Bryant is a receiver, though. I mean, really, he can block. If, I know, but if you look at him, what is he? You he's know,
0: a tougher version of you know fill in the blank receiving tight end in the NFL. I think he's a tougher version of Jimmy Graham.
1: Well, okay, um, so am I. Oh <laughs> <Aww. laughs> man, okay. <laughs> I, I
0: I understand that he's a receiver, but the dude, he is when you see him on the field, he's so much bigger, faster, and stronger than the guys that are trying to guard him that he he just looks like an NFL player playing college football.
1: Yeah, he looks like an NFL guy right now. I
0: don't know how is that? How is he not a five star coming out of high school? I can't tell you.
1: I how how often do you see a tight end as a five star? I don't know. But how often do you
0: see a guy that looks like that? And he was not small in high school either. And he was a, he was a highly coveted guy. Thank God he I, was in, in the state of Washington. I,
1: to- I totally get it. I, I totally agree. I just I, – when you look at him, I mean, his, to me, his body does not scream tight end. You know, if you looked at like O.J. Howard in the NFL, who's a receiving type of tight end, even he's built like a tight end. He's big, broad shoulders. Uh, Hunter Bryant is cut up, and he is quick, and he just to me, dude, he just looks like a like a like a more fit David Boston.
0: I just wanted you to tell me how good the tight ends are. Let's move to the offensive line.
1: <laughs> uh, offensive line, you got to give him B plus. Easton wasn't really man. It's hard not to give these guys an A. Um, Easton saw a little bit of pressure, which caused a little bit of the errant throws. Um, But, man, their run blocking all day was dominant. If they did this, if they had this performance versus – I'm tired of talking about Cal, but, man, that is the defense to talk about. But if you did it versus if you did it versus BYU next weekend, if you came out and looked like we did this week versus BYU next weekend, I would give this offensive line an A plus. But the fact that it's Hawaii and our offensive line is so much bigger than Hawaii's defensive line and their defense is not all that talented anyways, that's the only reason I'd give them a B plus. Because everybody should do this against Hawaii's defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, they took care of business.
1: Yeah. So. Right, right. And That's all you can say about that, is they just took care of business. Um, our outside guys are phenomenal. Uh, you'll, you will you hardly yeah. will see pressure for coming from their positions all year. Okay, well, so as far as the inside guys, there was a couple of holds against Jackson Kirkland. Nick Harris got beat once or twice. Uh, but for the most part, man, Nick Harris is really, really – Really solid. Um, doesn't let a lot of pressure up from the middle. But those those guards, every once in a while, they get a little bit of suspect. Um, they're, they're prone to get beat by inside stunts. But uh, other than that, man, I, I, I'd give our offensive line a lot of credit for this game. Okay? Tell me what you got for that defensive line.
0: So the defensive line, I thought, played contain really well. What I thought was really interesting about the way that the defensive line uh, worked was the difference between first and second down and third down. If you noticed a lot of times in first and second down, you saw Benning put Hawaii on the outside, and I think that 's uh because of the issues that Washington had in that Cal game where we saw Joe Tryon specifically have a really hard time setting the edge, yeah, so they moved him out there so the, there was pressure, definitely. Uh, so I'm going to give them a, a B plus. I thought they played well. I thought they did a good job containing some pretty athletic quarterbacks. They only got away from them those, those couple times. And I thought they did a really good job of opening up those holes to allow uh, those lanes for the linebackers to put them in the best position to make plays.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. And I think that's probably what you're going to see from this coaching staff the rest of the year is um, – I don't want to say Joe Tryon is a failed uh, experiment, but I do think that you need to learn from your players and learn what they're good at. And I think that they learned that Potawaii is a phenomenal edge setter and that's what this defense needs. And so I think – Well, and then on passing
0: downs on those third downs, they did put him inside. Yeah. No, totally.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: and allowed Joe Tryon to
1: do what he's successful at. I totally understand. Yep. And I think you're going to see that probably the rest of the year. And that's kind of a matchup nightmare. You know, if, if yeah, on third down, because you guys set the edge and didn't let the running backs get loose. You now you have Pozo Ayi on the inside and Joe Tryon on the outside. Good luck. As Eason yeah. would like to say.
0: Good luck. No, no
1: he didn't say that. He's not the one that's he, that said That's the guy Dang that would it. say that's <laughs> Dang it. You're right. Good <laughs> luck. Bad. Uh, my bad. Dang it. You're good. Uh, okay, linebackers. Linebackers are going to get a C.
0: c- Explain. I, so I thought that the linebackers, when you hold a def- uh, an offense like Hawaii to 20 points... I can't give anybody a failing grade or a D, but I can go with a C because I thought that there was some times where these linebackers were meeting guys in the hole where they were supposed to, and they weren't able to make those tackles. And we're just so used to seeing that. It's really weird to watch Kyler Manu and Brandon Wellington uh, really be a step back from what this program is used to seeing. And then I thought that their discipline on staying back and biting on those play fakes really hurt the Washington defense in the middle of the field where they, sh- they, were, they were close to getting their hands on a couple of balls and taking away those intermediate routes. But because they were sucked up, um, Hawaii was able to beat them over the top.
1: You have been extremely, uh, more so than any unit on this team, You've been very critical of the linebackers this year. Yeah. And I don't think it's not justified, uh, but you're really starting to give me a stigma about this linebacking core. And it's, uh, you're making me nervous.
0: And you probably should be nervous. And, and what my hope is, I look, I don't, I think Brandon Wellington's a really good athlete. But I would like to see – and there was a really good play where I think it was Miles Bryant who ended up getting the sack he did. He ended up getting the sack. But if you watch the play, he makes the sack, but Brandon Wellington is standing right in front of the quarterback. He's in an athletic position. He's broken down, so he's not going to fly past the quarterback. So when the guy makes a move, he was in position to make the sack. And then Bryant hit him uh, uh, with more of a blindside where he didn't see it coming. Yeah. So in that sense, I really liked some of the things that Brandon Wellington did. I still would like to see um, Jack- some of the younger guys.
1: Jackson Sermon. More.
0: Uh, Jackson Sermon, I still think is is a step slow.
1: Uh, Lot La- from La- really. La-2. I want to see too. I do too. Yeah. I agree. I would like to see Latu, who I'm really looking forward to is who I'm really looking forward to see is Haimouli and Calvert. Um, we're not going to see Calvert at all this year, and I doubt we'd see Haimouli as well because he was a late enrollee. But um, I think that's where we need our linebacking core to be is those two studs all the time in the middle. You know, I think when. I think when those two guys are ready to play potentially next year with Latu, I think Latu is probably going to have a starting job given to him next year because the guy's going to be really, really good. But once you see Haimuli and Calvert on the field, I think you're only going to see Haimuli and Calvert on the field because I think those two guys are exactly what this team needs as far as middle linebackers.
0: If Calvert didn't get hurt and you called this before the season, if Calvert doesn't get hurt, he's playing –
1: this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean um,
0: So the that was are... a real blow.
1: Yep. Yep. That kid that kid is incredibly smart. He's a really smart, good football player, and I think I think you would have probably seen him with Latu in the middle of that defense.
0: Yeah. Um I'm not willing to give up on Brandon Wellington yet. Uh I, I think that Kyler Manu has been a really good Husky for four years. Um, but I think that if this team's going to be the best it can, he's going to probably need to take a step back. And my hope is, and my assumption is that law and sermon are getting a lot of reps in practice, trying to iron out some of those problems. So when they get in the game, they're not as raw
1: because yeah. they're
0: getting some run, but I am really hoping they're getting a lot of reps at practice, which of course we are not at.
1: yeah. So
0: I think that's, if you would say, what's the, what's the weakness of the defense? It's really weird to say linebacker because that's been a strength for so many years, but I think that's where our biggest deficiency is.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to, uh, I'm going to do the same thing to you. I'm not going to say secondary. I'm going to say cornerbacks.
0: Cornerbacks. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a B plus. I thought that Jimmy Lake and Pete Kukowski did a really, really good job with their sets as well. Again, this is why I think that Washington state and USC are in for big troubles when they play Washington. Cause they went to, for a while they had three down linemen. They had two linebackers and the rest were defensive backs, including four corners. Yeah. And on the field at the same time, you had Elijah Molden, on uh, the left side you had uh, Trent McDuffie on the left outside you had Keith Taylor on the right side on the inside and you had Kyler Gordon on the right side on the outside and what was really interesting was Keith Taylor had a fantastic game again setting that edge he ended up with nine tackles and that's because a lot of those, when they went to those run plays, he was the one that was making those tackles. Plus, he was taking away those flats, uh, the throws to the flats that I think really hurt Hawaii's opportunities to uh, get a, get any sort of rhythm going in the passing game.
1: Yeah, and and really, I think Kyler Gordon just as well had a really really good game. Um, I think. Yep. I, I feel like it slowed down for him uh, mentally, the game itself. Um, you didn't see him out of position very often. You didn't see him get burned. Um, you didn't see him look lost on the field at all. He looked like he was just playing football. Like like something had clicked for him to where he wasn't thinking about what he needed to be doing, and he was just out there making plays and playing football. And it was really good to see this game and hopefully it stays that way the rest of the year for him.
0: Yeah, and you know, I might even put him up to an A because I thought Kyler Gordon, his pass defense was awesome. I mean, he watched the ball get into the receiver's hands and he, he basically just threw it out of his hands. Yeah. Um this defense and, and I'm wondering if this is because some of the deficiencies at linebacker with that big group and maybe it's just because of the offense that they were playing against. The top three tacklers where Keith Taylor, Kyler Gordon, and Elijah Molden. Yeah, and and that's because I mean uh, Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor were on the inside, so yeah. You, I, I don't know. You, you they played really well. You
1: are going to see that against the Air Raid team as well. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of short dink and dunk passes. Uh, not a lot of runs for your linebackers to make a lot of tackles. How about your safeties? Tell me about. I I think I could guess what your safety play is going to be. <laughs> But oh, really? uh, but go ahead and, and tell me your grade for your safeties.
0: Um, I'm going to give them a C plus. Uh, I think if Miles Bryant was six you're four, you know, maybe of, I'd give them an A. You're full
1: of ass. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't give them an A, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm triggered. I'm triggered, yeah, no. Trev. I my you're my, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, you're all right. No. Uh,
1: uh, that, I, I, I was just that, so close to my, my 33-year-old midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm going to buy a motorcycle. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Tell me about them safeties.
0: So they definitely got an A. I thought this was Cameron Williams' best game as a, as a Husky. Um, not just because he got an interception, but I thought he was in good positions to make plays when Hawaii tried to uh, go downfield. Obviously him getting that pick was, was a really cool moment for him, but the star of the show was, um, miles Bryant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to tell you his real stat line and then I'll tell you what they have for him. So of course he had four tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one interception and one steal. Yeah. That was like, you know, uh, I can't remember the the play by play by, but he was like, stolen by Iverson. (laughs) Yeah. What is that guy's name, man? That was, it's considered an interception. That was a steal. Yes. The guy caught it and he was just, he just jump balled it away from him. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, safeties, great job.
1: Absolutely. They're so much fun to watch. Dude, Miles Bryant was everywhere. It was incredible. That guy's a star. That guy's a star. I mean, that's really all so. that needs to be said about him, right? Yeah. The, guy, the guy's the best player on that defense.
0: Oh yeah, um, he's in line. There was a really cool. I don't. Do you watch a lot of Game Day?
1: Uh, it, when I can, when I'm not racing.
0: I I'm with you on that. I don't watch it that often, but they did a story on the guy who the the this award is named after for the best former walk on. And I, I think that Miles Bryant's got a shot at getting that this year.
1: Yeah. I think, like I said, I mean, this, this defense is stacked full of talent. And in my opinion is he is the best out of all of them. I think the guy is so impressive. Every time I watch him, he impresses me more and more each time. It's, he's, he's really fun to watch.
0: He just forced the coaching staff to keep putting him out there.
1: Yeah. Because he wasn't the biggest guy
0: and there and he was you know he was a walk on but he he made the coaches play him even if they didn't really want to mm-hmm. and i even think back to when you and i were like you know Miles Bryant you know like we weren't super high on him but he just kept being too good not to play
1: yeah i totally agree i i i'm i'm looking forward to watching him the rest of the year probably more so than than anybody on the defense. I can't say that more so than anybody on the offense just because, man, skinny, he's, yeah. you know, uh, and not he's even a just to say watch. but uh, man, Richard Newton. I'd love the way that he runs the ball, man. So much power. Yeah. I, I That's my favorite type of running back. The Jamal Lewis, the Jerome Bettis, yeah. Fridge, Fridge Perry.
0: I think he's a little bit quicker than some of those guys you just uh, mentioned, too.
1: I mean, most of those guys were pushing three bills. Yeah. But he is a big physical down back. Yeah.
0: Who is your offensive MVP?
1: That is a good, good question. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of possibilities here, man, because you could go with Richard Newton for the three touchdowns. Um, you could go with Eason for his day. I'm gonna say Hunter Bryant. Just beca- all right. Just a good pick. Just because he had he, he eclipsed the hundred yard mark, uh, he had that long touchdown. Um, he was fun to watch, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna pick him. And he got them back on track in
0: the fourth quarter after that pretty awful third
1: quarter. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely the
0: go-to guy. I, I like seeing that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jacob Eason.
1: Easy pick. I thought yeah. you were gonna go with uh Greg Gaines. I thought about it, but who's your defensive MVP? That's a, that's a – I don't want to say that there's no stupid questions, but that's a stupid question. We,
0: we have the same one. You ready to say it? <laughs> one, two, three. Miles, Miles
1: Bryant. Bryant. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Greg sure. Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how could it not yep. be? I mean, we we can we, move on from that. We we quick. just we just gushed about him for 20 minutes. So yeah, he's our defensive MVP.
0: I can dig it. Who yep. is on notice for you?
1: Those two wide receivers, man. Not super impressed. I, I, they, what you know, what they don't do is keep me from wanting to see the young talent, and that's the only way that I can explain it. I keep I keep wanting to see young talent because those two aren't keeping my mind off of the young talent. So there's
0: not the problem that I'm seeing with these guys is they're not getting separation from these division 1 corners. They were able to do it, I mean they had tons of ground against Eastern, but the last two games against FBS opponents, they've struggled to get any sort of separation.
1: Yeah. The, yeah, the, I mean those two guys they gotta be for for me. They gotta be put on notice. Yeah, and mine's Andre Bocelli. I
0: I don't know how many more times I can watch him not get into the end zone. I'm okay with Chico catching tunnel screens. I'm even okay with I, I like Savon getting them. But other than that, I want to see that gone. And you know, Bocelli's not getting separation, and he's not able to score. I'm fine with him between the twenties, I guess, but it's one of those things where I think it's time for Puka to, to burn that red shirt with authority and be playing for a majority of the game.
1: I agree. Um, When you say you're tired of seeing the tunnel screens, do you mean just from Bocelli or in general?
0: Um, I'm okay from Chico. I'm okay with running backs out of the backfield, but, I, I'm, uh, you know, that, that horizontal game isn't my favorite. You know, I don't like seeing it from some of those guys. I don't know, man.
1: You know, I, I completely disagree. Um, seeing a lot of people not loving the tunnel screens and the bubble screens that we run and the amount that we run, um, and, and the way that I watch the game, there's a rhyme and there's a reason to running those, you don't have to get a first down or a big play every time you throw those balls. Sometimes you can get two, three yards, and it's okay because those plays are a part of a bigger play. And you saw it in the Puka. You're po- right. You saw it in the Puka play. Yeah. Easton, they, they ran a fake tunnel screen. Eason pumped, which brought the safety in. And we brought the corner in and the safety yeah, dove. It was awesome. Yes. And then Eason burned them over the top. And the only reason that that play worked is because we had ran four or five tunnel screens with success prior to that. And if you keep doing that and you keep running them with success, eventually you're going to burn that corner and that safety for a long play down the sideline. And that's why they keep doing it because it works. It's like the pick and you know roll. you right. It's like the pick and roll in basketball. It's just two guys, super simple play, but it's effective. And that's what I love about that tunnel screen. You can get a long breaking touchdown out of it. You can get a first down out of it. Or you can get three yards out of it. I don't care. The three yards, I'll take that all day long because you know what's going to happen in three or four plays after you run those? You're going to get a long fifty-five yard throw from Easton down the sideline to Puka. And it it worked playbook. It was exactly the way that you want to do that as an offensive coordinator.
0: And I think you're right. Well, I know you're right. I think maybe some of the apprehension to the tunnel screens is the fact that our previous few quarterbacks did take a little bit of time to get the ball out and didn't necessarily have the tools to hit those big plays that those body blow tunnel screens do. Yeah. That being said, uh, you know, maybe that's – I don't know. Maybe you're making me change my mind,
1: but – To your point, why do you think Eason won the starting job? Because, because – he's got
0: arm talent and he's a better quarterback.
1: Yes, but because of that, he can throw those tunnel screens on a rope to a guy in stride where he has given him the ability to, to make a play off of that tunnel screen. And from that – Eason also has the talent to pump fake them and go deep on them. He's the he's All the right. perfect quarterback for that system. You changed my mind. Sorry, I just I. The more and more I see people, I and, and we've ta- we've touched up on that before. People, the offensive coordinator is the hardest job on a football team because sure. there are th- millions of armchair quarterbacks, and everybody can look back at it and say. That play didn't work. Well, what you didn't see was five plays later, that exact play opened up something else downfield. And that it, it was shown in the Hawaii game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. All right, you ready to shut the book on Hawaii? I am. All right, let's move on to BYU. Uh, BYU is coming in, uh, riding high after beating USC. In Provo, uh, they won by the count of thirty to twenty-seven. They beat Arizona in overtime. BYU's a tough team. I thought they they played they they had a better offensive scheme against SC than they did against Utah, and they made just enough plays. They picked off uh, Slovis three times and were able to uh, send USC home and. You know, one step closer to the end of Clay Helton's tenure
1: at USC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And really, that Stanford win isn't looking all that good for Clay Helton anymore. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: um, You know, they have have one loss against a pretty good Utah team. And then they have two wins, in my opinion, to two really bad teams. Um, Tennessee just handled oh. – they just handled Chattanooga. But prior yeah, to that – Yeah, they did. Yeah. Prior to that, it was a double overtime loss to BYU, and then it was a 38-30 loss to Georgia State. So that's not impressive. That overtime – that two overtime win against Tennessee not looking all that good. Um, I think USC was unjustifiably ranked. I think that was a USC thing, like – It's good for college football for them to be ranked. And and right now they're, uh, you know, they were 2-0 at the time. They just beat a Stanford team that was reeling without their quarterback. Um, Albeit USC was without their quarterback too, but their backup seems to look actually better than uh, their starting quarterback. So my opinion, BYU is not all that high.
0: I think that. They're a better BYU team than Washington saw last year that Washington handled easily at Husky Stadium. I think Zach Wilson's a decent quarterback, but I can't disagree with you because their wins don't look great, right? Yeah. Um, If you look at it on paper without actually diving in, it looks great, right? So they beat Tennessee and they beat USC. USC. Like those do sound in a in a run of the mill year. That's a great
1: year. In 1990 – that's a great start. In, in, in nineteen ninety five, that's a phenomenal start to your season. Yeah. Two thousand
0: nineteen, it it's kind of it kind of feels like a paper tiger, I guess, where it looks good, but in reality, it's you know it's it's two teams. USC is a middle of the road team in the Pac twelve South. Are Tennessee's they? a bottom dweller, and they the, just uh, lost the that...
1: SEC. Who in the Pac 12 South is going to lose to Georgia State?
0: That's that's not a fair comparison, though. Why? Um, because that would be like saying that Washington would beat um, Cal uh, North Texas by six points. Um, you, 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 I, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that you can look at a team like that and say SC would lose to Georgia State. There's a lot of things that went into Tennessee losing that game. Uh, and I'm not saying that Tennessee's good, but I'm also not saying USC would struggle against them. I, I don't know the matchup. But some of some of football's matchups, dude, um, I think USC's still talented enough that they're going to beat teams in the Pac-12 South. And I wouldn't be surprised if they finished third, sure, second or third. Sure. I don't
1: agree, but sure.
0: Where do you think they're going to finish?
1: Fifth. I, I think Colorado beats them. You are really down on, on SC. Uh, yeah, because I think they're going to fire their head coach. We yeah.
0: both agree that BYU is probably not as good as maybe people are saying. They've won two overtime games against teams that aren't great. Or are not on the level of the University of Washington. How about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I can dig. Cool.
0: Their defense is tough. I mean, that Utah game was kind of a slugfest until Utah wore BYU down and was able to take control of that game. But I think that Washington's offense is is much more talented than, than Utah and is going to be able to score against this BYU defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Their defense is I uh, what do you think their defense or offense is better? Or do you think that they're just a balanced football team regardless? Uh
0: if you would have asked me after the Utah game, I would have said their defense is better, but I don't know, they seem pretty balanced. They seem pretty like they're like a little bit above average in both categories. Can we say that?
1: Yeah. Probably, yeah, I, I'd I be fair with that. BYU has gotten quite a few turnovers on their defense. Yep, they, they did
0: pick Slavis off three times.
1: Yeah, they already have four interceptions as a team. That is a little scary just because, you know, after the Cal game, cornerbacks scare me. Um, but but really, what doesn't scare me is their offense, you know. Uh Wilson has almost as many passing yards as Eason does. Um, does that mean I think he's as talented as Eason? No way. <laughs> Williams as a running back, he's got 236 yards on the season. Um, they only have 330 running yards as a team, um, where UW's up in well up into the 500s. So
0: they seem to struggle on on offense. Just looking at – I mean, some of those uh, those turnovers that they got put them in really good position to score. Yeah. I'm looking at, you know, the – Williams had the 99 against SC's defense. It's talented but undisciplined. Um, yeah. Their receivers – I mean, he spread the ball around a little bit. An interesting tidbit sure. about the SC-BYU game is the leading receiver for BYU was Gunnar Romney. The nephew of former presidential candidate Mitt Romney.
1: <laughs> Armani, man, he was. Uh... I loved. Mitt. I love me some Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> but even the receiving core doesn't impress me all that much. No, you know they uh... have a couple explosive plays. They have a sixty-four yard touchdown. I don't think their offense is gonna gonna give it to our defense the way that I don't. I don't even think they've really put it on anybody this year at all, really. Yeah, they're really
0: opportunistic in this SC game. You ready to get to some picks? I do. Alright, so before we get to the picks of this week, let's talk about our overall records. Whoa. What uh do we I...
1: have to? who's winning? You.
0: I am winning. I have won nine games, and I have lost eleven. And you, my friend, That's are not at bad. seven and thirteen. That's not good. No, and we really struggled. You really struggled this week. Um you ended up going 4 and 8 and I went 6 and 6. Yeah. Is Chip Kelly going to make it through the season?
1: <laughs> I I so badly want to say yes. Dude. But I don't know if I can. He's he really to. showing
0: his Chip Kellyness. Uh he like berated a reporter asking him about Maybe trying to go back to that fast pace, up tempo offense that he had at Oregon, and he gave him just like this big, smart aleck answer, like, "I don't know why you'd ask me that. That was a long time ago. Football evolves." And it's like, dude, you are running a terrible system here. You're getting yeah. no recruits. What are you? Are you trying to figure out how little you can do to keep your job? Or, gosh,
1: I wa- I, I don't know, man. I think. I think, oh, dude, I don't know. I thought I, they were like, going to take a big
0: step forward and they were going to compete next year.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to see UCLA be good and Chip Kelly be good because I think it'd be a fun rivalry and it'd be fun to beat them. But man, is it tough to watch that dumpster fire? <laughs> it's It doesn't. it Nothing looks good. And no,
0: Oklahoma didn't necessarily play their best game. Jalen Hurts was unbelievable, but they could have beat them by a lot more.
1: Is Jalen Hurts your front runner to win the Heisman right now? Mm, yes. I, I think don't think he has to be.
0: It's so weird. Cause right now everybody's for the most part, your front runners, they're all putting up big numbers. Cause for yeah, the most part, they're not playing great. And... Play... Yeah. yeah. Once we get into some conference games, I mean, you probably have better numbers than anybody else just cause he plays in the big 12 and, I think, I frankly, that's helped thing. Baker yeah. Mayfield and uh, Kyler Murray win it as well. Yeah, so, I agree. All right, you ready to get to some picks this week? Yes, sir. All right, number 10, Utah, going to previously ranked 24, uh, Southern California. Utah is a three-and-a-half point favorite.
1: I'm going to take Utah.
0: I figured you would, so am I. Ugh,
1: that's I think that's right. an
0: easy, easy win. Um, I I I'm shocked that it's that little.
1: Yeah, me too. Even though it's at USC, I still think Utah going to handle them.
0: Your your thought of tarmacking him might come true because SC has got a gauntlet in the next three weeks.
1: Utah, Washington, then Notre Dame. Gosh. Does he make it past Utah? Yes. Does he make it past Washington? Yes. Does he make it past Notre Dame? No. No? Okay. So he goes.
0: And that's the only reason I say that is because that's when the new AD hopefully will be hired for them. And they're going to—they're going to be
1: two and four. That's not good. No, it's not.
0: And their two wins are a nail biter against a power five uh, group of high school and a reeling Stanford school. Yep. That's not good. Yep. Nope. You're 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 USC. This is crazy. And I love it.
1: Yep. Yeah. I hey man. I, I really hope he doesn't get tarmacked, but uh I think he's going to. Losing this BYU game might have been
0: the nail in the coffin. I I
1: honestly don't think firing. he make, I don't think he makes it past Washington just because I think that they're going to try to give this team a little bit of a boost going to Notre Dame and give them a fighting chance because they're going to be so de- defeated, they might fire him against us and they we're going to be stuck with him in Seattle. And, <laughs>
0: Sorry but you got to find your own way home.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know man. Um the only reason why I think he could last that long is they don't have an AD. Who's going to fire? They got a I
1: mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean they're a laughing they gotta,
0: it's so weird like USC is the absolute laughing stock of the Pac-12. Yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I still think they could be okay. Yeah. I still think they can can win games, but I don't know, man. I don't know.
1: They're gonna be they're gonna be two and four in three weeks, so they're not. Yeah, they could rattle off once.
0: They could rattle off some wins. I don't know, man. They're in trouble. Uh, That 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 whole university's it just doesn't look good, man. Yeah, I hear you. Next, we got Cal headed to Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss is a two and a half point favorite. What do you got, Jake?
1: I'm gonna take Ole Miss to cover.
0: All right, I have Cal. Okay. Defense travels.
1: Yes, and I it does. I hate the SEC. I
0: hate the SEC outside of
1: what. It's gonna be Georgia. Go dogs. Go go dogs. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, you know what's funny is I always liked Georgia before we had him on our podcast. Sure. And it just made you know it made me. And then they had Eason. I loved NoShawn Moreno when he was at Georgia. Ooh! Shout out. Right, he was good. Thanks he to li- had a,
0: yeah.
1: He he's listening right now, so that's oh, cool. He, is he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They had that Eason, local kid, yep. loved that, and at the time that he went there, I was living in Lake Stevens. Uh, my wife graduated from Lake Stevens, so that was cool. Um, and then we had Jamie on our podcast. So now, yeah, man, I'm a huge George fan. I'm with you.
0: Next we got
1: – But also love Vanderbilt.
0: Uh, we got number 16, Oregon, headed to Stanford. Stanford is a 10-point underdog. Oregon is a 10-point favorite. What do you got?
1: I'm gonna, Oh, man, I'm going to take Stanford to keep this one close.
0: <laughs> the trees. They, uh, you know, they've had Oregon's number. The Pac-12 North is so weird, right? Different teams just seem to have other teams' numbers. seems like Cal has Washington's number. seems like Washington has washington and and Oregon have really gone back and forth. Washington and Stanford have gone back and forth. Um, Stanford has had Oregon's number. Oregon has had Cal's number. It's just really weird how it's all Wazoo
1: out. has had oregon's,
0: and, and had oregon's number and wazoo has had Oregon's number and new dubs had wazoo's number. It's just been such a weird – it's just matchups, matchups, matchups. So, I understand why you picked Stanford. I'm going with Oregon. Next up, we have Colorado headed to Tempe to take on number 24, Arizona State, who won a really wild game in East Lansing. Um, Jake, who do you got in this game? Uh,
1: You know, I kind of – I have to go with Arizona State, um, especially – especially after they just went into Michigan State territory and, and won on the road. I mean, that's a, that's a big-time win, especially for the Pac-12. So I got I to gotta keep this train rolling for them.
0: What a weird ending to that game, too. Did you watch it? No. So they took the lead. You know, Benjamin, like a, a one- or two-yard touchdown, reached the ball over the plane. They had, like, a minute left. Michigan State hadn't moved the ball very much at all. And all of a sudden, they go all the way down the field. They have a 47-yard field goal. They kick it to tie the game with less than 30 seconds left. And then um, Herm challenge, or they, they look, they review the the play, and Michigan State had 12 guys on the field. Oh, so they throw the flag, put them back five yards. The kicker absolutely shanks the the uh the the kick games over however d'antonio's freaking out on the sidelines because one of the asu guys tried to do the cam chancellor jump over the 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 long snapper Uh and didn't make it he was all over him which should a penalty it wasn't called michigan state loses that sucks it was crazy. I watched it with an Arizona State fan. He was, he was kind of melty. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, we'll see. We both got ASU winning this game. Next up, we have UCLA traveling to Washington State. Washington State is an 18.5 point favorite. What do you got?
1: I'm going to take Washington State to cover.
0: Oh, yeah. Me too. Okay, cool. Until US- UCLA shows any sort of heart, I'm not picking them. Makes sense. Yep. And the last one of the night, we got number 22, U-Dub, headed to BYU. U-Dub BYU, uh, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite.
1: Uh, I'm going to pick BYU to cover, but to lose. Okay. I think it's going to be a close game. Okay. I disagree with you,
0: and I'm going with U-Dub. Okay. So, so this we week we on. have a few more that we're disagreeing with each other. Just two, right? One, two, three. Three of them uh, out of one, two, three, four, five, six, six. games. So that's how Yeah,
1: not bad. Wow. Okay. This is my week to catch up. It's either my
0: week to pull away or your week to catch up. There we go. Well, that's it for Fourth and Inches of Husky Podcast. Thanks for listening. Go, dogs.
1: Go, dogs.